Welcome, everyone, to the TNIV version of our podcast, Desiring <laughs> Brothers and Sisters. <laughs> oh, translation slam! Nice moves. We are here today uh, after some amazing episodes with Trevor. Mm. We are back to mundane us. The regular... Sorry. Sorry, right. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I apologize. Uh, I'm Tanner Haas. I'm David Short. And I'm Jackson O'Brien. We, if you did not guess from our intro, are talking about Bible translations, or in scholarly terms, additions. Oh. I learned that at Regent. It's like the thing I've learned so far. <laughs> I've got a month under my belt. That's good thing <laughs> that's that money. Is You're just... so skeptical. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> that, it's like I'm paid to make friends, which like. <laughs> With my social life, like, that's a fair transaction. <laughs> I just, like, see people, like, hanging out after class. I'm like, I just want to hang out with you because, like, you're cool. I feel like I haven't had that in a while. And uh, I think it's probably been since, like, Carmel, you know? Hmm. So it's been funny. Being at Regent has made me appreciate you guys and that, like, we still hang out and do the podcast. Right. Just... Yeah. This week I was editing and I was just thinking about, like, how funny you guys were. <laughs> All these things that, like, our listeners probably do not pick them up. Under the radar, in the middle of a joke, somebody will slip in, like, three words right? that just make me die <laughs> in post because I listen to it so many times, right? <laughs> so, like, Jackson was talking about tattoos and, like, have you seen our brother and, brother and sister's ankles? And we're all laughing about it. And Dave goes, ankles. <laughs> <laughs> like the, like right. the cell phone song. But nobody picks it up. But, like, I'm listening for, like, the fourth time, and I'm just dying. <laughs> anyway, stuff like that happens all the time. It's I good, love doing this. One person this finds me funny. Oh. <laughs> it just makes me so happy. So Good. I'm, I'm happy to do this. Let's do this. Cool. Do it. We're talking Bible. Tra- I'm, I'm pretty much stalling because Bible <laughs> translations are really boring. Oh, man. Just, just lay out something, and Dave and I will take over, Tanner. Don't yeah. worry. So Bible translations, those are just... Because there's tons of Bibles in English and tons of desire for Bibles, we have a bunch of different versions of them, if you don't know. So there's not just one standard one that all English Christians are using. So And they all have acronyms, right? So you got the NIV. Mm -hmm. Give it to me, Dave. Uh, Yeah. Uh, New International Version. (laughs) Wow. It took me a second to, like, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. I think I'm... Okay, describe the new international version. Uh, it is the best version. It's the <laughs> Apple product version, isn't it? Like, it's the one that everyone has. Okay, so KJV, Jackson. King James Version. I was going to give it a different one, but I'm like, it would have been full of disdain. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, what about the NASB? Oh, that's like the scholarly New American Bible. Standard Bible. Boom. That's- GW? GW. GW. No idea. JW? Good, GW. Good word. Huh. Good, that's I, I my guess. God's word. God's Whoa. <laughs> I need that Bible. <laughs> <laughs> In my Church of Christ. Church. In my Church of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> <Our> nice moves. <laughs> and then, of course, most important to us, the DBY. Daily word. 
guess I kill it. <laughs> D-B-Y? What? <laughs> did you know that there was a Brethren edition of the Bible? Of course I did. Oh, the Darby? That's the Darby! Right, yeah. Okay. I had no idea that the founder of the Brethren had a, made his own translation of the Bible. Well, I'm going to go buy it <laughs> as soon as this podcast is done. <laughs> All right, Jack, let's jump. R- well, no, let's let's leave. Let's leave you simmering for a little while just before you jump into your KJV here. I'm sweating. So you won't believe this. Okay, go. Why are we doing it on Bible translations? Why is this important? Let me tell you. Late breaking news. <laughs> big scandals in the Christian world. You heard me. Big scandals. So so the ESV is like the new kid on the block, right? Like it's less than 20 years old. And it's supposed to be a word-for-word translation. It's supposed to be like, this is what the Hebrew and the Greek are telling you. We're not giving you no fluff, (laughs) NIV. You know, that's in brackets. They said that. (laughs) So it was made by these people. It's hip. It's cool. All the young Reformed kids have it. The big fat ESV Bible. Do you have one, Dave? I have one. You're not Reformed. Jackson? I don't have one, though. I I I use my my NIV more, but I have one. It's been, like, on the rise, like, can do no wrong. It's like the Trudeau of our generation. <laughs> Your analogies you know, just, are the best. <laughs> just like our current Trudeau, who just got in trouble for some climate change stuff, this one has tried to push something through when it should have had more consultation. Ooh. Same analogy. <laughs> so the ESV has been updating as it learns more about the Greek and sees mistakes that it made mm-hmm. right yeah and it declared last month no more this is the permanent text so what did they do what did they lock in in perpetuity <laughs> tell us so they made like 29 changes or something right before they locked it in as a permanent text people were like wait a second yeah. did you try to sneak something in And they did. They tried to sneak in something controversial and thought we wouldn't notice. So the blogosphere exploded with the verse Genesis (laughs) 3.16, the curse of the man and the woman, which in the NIV and in pretty much any translation, God curses by saying, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And he will rule over you. Now the ESV came in. They pounded their fist down and they said, and your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. So they kind of changed it into like, the woman is like the person who wants to take down the king on the throne. Like, you're going to try to tear down your husband, but he is not going to have any of it because he is supposed to rule over you. Ooh. Ooh. I'm afraid to say more now. <laughs> no, no kidding. Yeah. But pretty much it's it's saying it's a complementarian reading of the passage. It's saying men are supposed to be leaders, women are not. And see, Genesis three says that. Right. So they actually right. put their theology into the verse and people freaked out. Mm-hmm. And to their credit, they backed down. Yeah. So they said, We're really sorry. <laughs> we won't do that no more. Which this is like what i I just have issues with what is the whole deal of inserting your theory like translate it 
Find out what the words say and then tell us what the words say. Dave, whoa. <laughs> I know I understand your need for that, but the problem is that the languages are... The languages aren't necessarily complicated. It's just that our language makes them complicated. Mm-hmm. Like when we want to use like the word Kai in Greek can mean and, it can mean even, it can mean but, and we're like, okay, the word Kai is there. What do I do with that? It's it's just the problem is that it, the surrounding context helps shape what that word should be translated as. But the problem is but and and mean different things. And if you translate it one way or the other, you're not necessarily translating anymore. You're, as Tanner said, interpreting. You're making a decision for the reader to think, oh, this is what it means, right? Instead of just letting them interpret it. What 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 I was trying to get across before was like these guys who are making the translation of the Bible should should be like coming to very concrete decisions, right? So we have to trust that they came to that decision however they normally do, else why would they have done it? And then like why are they backing down from a bunch of people being like, "Hey, don't why are you why are you being like that about that?" <laughs> it's just like it it really annoys me this whole process. Huh. If what they're translating the Bible is as flimsy as, "Oh, we have to placate the masses," then I don't want them translating <laughs> my Bible. Hmm. So, did you kind of like the idea of them locking it in permanently like, "Hey, this is this is this is the truth. This is what the translation is." I I like the idea because of what the opposite means hmm. of it it leads to a place of is some things in our bible wrong right that's what it leads to is why why are they changing things because they're like oh it actually should have said this and then it calls into question the whole integrity of the translation i guess i kind of like the idea of locking it in just because like that's what the kjv did yeah where they just said this is it it's never changing again and because you get to like memorize verses and you know it's going to be the same when your kids memorize those verses mm-hmm. and i don't know that's just gonna there's gonna be some continuity i love that idea and also because i'm skeptical that bible translators make new additions just to make more profit (laughs) or they update bibles it's like textbook authors who like frick that is so annoying in university where it's like it's a hundred dollar textbook oh last year's it's totally out of date because we switched the order of two chapters Mm -hmm. and it's like you just wanted another hundred dollars you jerk (laughs) and i sometimes feel that about like constant updates of the bible i i don't want you guys to develop conspiracy theories about bible translate i don't have conspiracy th- I, <laughs> I, I, hold- I can hear you tanner doing that you don't have any suspicions about the motives zero <laughs> you're a sheep you're a sheep jack well i'll be on the right side of jesus when the wake, judgment comes wake up sheeple <laughs> so anyway I, i'm standing with the esv on this one what's your guys no you're contention? not no you're not your hot take <laughs> Hot take. I'm standing with them on the idea of a permanent text. Oh yeah, I'm like I'm with you there, straight up. No, yeah. you got no. Yeah. You guys don't land there. Oh yeah, of that's course you don't. Because when when a kid reads the KJV and the word mean shows up, what does he think? 
Don't don't tell a kid to read the KJV. Well, that's what Tanner's <laughs> off. Oh, oh, this that shuts down your argument automatically because in 30 years you're going to say, no, don't let your kid read the ESV. And we went so concrete right now. The best move that the KJV did was locking it in. It guarantees sales long term. If the KJV did not lock it in, they kept updating and stuff. We would have dropped it a long time ago because it is obscure and old. It's like freaking 400 years old, the words. <laughs> That's 500 years old. It's from 1611, the original one. Yeah, right. But yeah. like, because they didn't, we kept using it. And it's still the most popular Bible translation. So I think it's a, it's a flash of brilliance, man. I, I'm all for locking it in. Just then in a couple hundred years when people no longer talk like that anymore, don't stop using it. <laughs> Amen. Jack, I think you're wrong. No. I think consensus says you're wrong. Anytime that Tanner and I agree on something, it means we have to be right. <laughs> the unholy alliance that only happens every once in a while. Every like harvest moon or something. Yeah. This is like the Soviets and the Americans getting together to beat Nazi Germany. Right. This is not the kind of ideal alliance. Like three years later, they're at each other's throats. Oh, David, I will fight again. <laughs> oh, we'll fight again. <laughs> Let's get on to Jackson's favorite controversy, the KJV only. Okay. Jack, do you want to explain this this uh, this whole movement? I do this with great grievance and <laughs> sadness in my heart. Okay, <laughs> you know all the quiverful people that we talked about last week? <laughs> Just imagine what Bible they're holding in their hands. Envision that. And then you know which group we're talking about. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There have been people in my life that I've come across that they, they hold the KJV in such high regard and that it is the only, it is the inspired English translation or that it is the, it is the infallible word of God. It's, it's extremely sad for me to see someone hold a KJV and say that you can't be a Christian unless you read this book. And, and the, the main reason that that stems, I think, is from you think that your Christianity is a superior one because you have the true translation. And I'm like, okay, not only is that wrong on so many levels, but what about someone who's French and a Christian and reading a different translation? What about someone who's from Nigeria and reading a different translation? And I just want to... Right. So for those who don't know, the KGB is a very old translation made by King James in England as a Protestant translation to fight the Catholic translations. Mm. And uh, it's been around for a long time and people are very, very loyal to it. And so there's a modern movement of people who now that we've switched off of the KJV and we think it's actually pretty inaccurate in a lot of ways, people look and say that every other translation was made by like Catholics or Satanists or something like people who wanted to denigrate <laughs> the, worst the word of, of God. The worst. <laughs> yeah, right. They just come up with the weirdest stuff. I mean, it's a bit like Seventh-day Adventists, the ones that are super strict on like, because you take a Sabbath on Sunday. Right. You're, you're not Christian where you're like, is this really the hill to die on? Mm-hmm. Is, is this what we're doing now? Like, this is the one that separates us. Yeah. It's fascinating. So what's your problem with the KJV, punk? <laughs> I'm actually quite aware of how my dislike 
for those who read the KJV makes me not ever want to read the KJV. And it creates a dislike for the actual translation when I think I would be in a lot in a lot of cases fine with it and promote it. But for that reason I just no. I don't I don't got the light of time of day for that thing. Yeah. I mean I grew up um memorizing verses from the KJV. Mm-hmm. Man, it's gorgeous when you hear some passages in the KJV. Yeah. You know, like there's like a reverence dripping off the text almost. So I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for it. I I don't want to skip ahead, but that uh, that that sort of reverence that is cloaked around it, and how we sort of suspend the KJV six feet above the ground, and it's you know that has shaped this next question. If not only that has made me not ever want to bring the Bible into the bathroom. Do you guys read the Bible in the bathroom? No. Why not? I like I got in trouble for standing on my Bible as a kid. I got in trouble. So like I learned I learned pretty quickly like okay, you don't mess around with the Bible. I got in trouble for for putting it on the ground. I put it in the seat below me hmm. on the ground. Right. And you don't like treating the Bible as like a uh, wonderful revelation from God <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry, your earphones were cutting out, so I was just trying to understand what you're saying. This is where Tanner and I disagree with each other. I think with the KJV, I do have more reverence for it. Yeah. Especially if it has like some like nice gold leaf on the edges. That gold trim, like, You yeah. got to take care of that stuff, man. Yeah. That's You could melt that down. Solid gold. KJV aside. Not that you would. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I get the like, do you not really care what we do with the text? Because it's just like... Don't worry about that. Yeah, I, I don't think I have any reverence for the actual physicalness of the Bible. It's just a... Would you you be fine if you watch one burn? Well, I wouldn't be like, oh, no, like, the world is about to fall apart. I might. But I, I'm not going to... Would you put it out? Uh, yeah, sure. What if someone was, like, preventing you from putting it out? Would you fight them to no, go and put it out? I'm, it's, it's just a... You would let it burn, it's hey? It's just paper and ink whoa tanner <laughs> wow. your turn harp on him <laughs> roasting time dave's in the hot oh, seat Dave, Dave, are you kidding me? <laughs> like I, get him tanner sick him. the power that was that's whew. the power is in the message not in the actual book itself that's why we don't dave freaking martyrs died for totally. that bible yeah because we like because we want to have a copy of the Bible to read. I don't know. I just think I like know. yeah, modern pumping out Bibles so everybody has four has mm. decreased the reverence for like the text itself. But I don't know. I'm still there. Oh hey, one of the reasons the KJV only people hate hate the NIV is because the NIV's gotten rid of a bunch of verses that they say were not in the earliest manuscripts. They were added at some point along the way, but that was not the New Testament authors who wrote it. Right. What do you do with Bible passages that are very popular, but they you're pretty sure they were not they were not originally in the Bible? So like John eight is the big example. The woman caught in adultery and he who has no sin may cast the first stone. There's starting to be translations that say like this is straight up it's clear this is not from the Bible mm-hmm. that was written down. Yeah. This is somebody who added to John a nice little story. But I don't know of any translations that don't have John 8. 
do you think it's just cool that we keep these stories going? You're going to make me rant on the truth of translations again. Okay, do it. <laughs> well, it's just like, it's what I already said. Like, what? Just translate it. Just make the call. So if they're, if the information that they had required them to say, okay, John 8 probably isn't real John. Yeah. We're going to take it out of the next edition of the NIV. Yeah. And then you would just have, you know, John 752, a gap, and then 811, and then it begins. Yeah. You're fine with that. If that if that's what they these are the experts, so make the call using your expert <laughs> wisdom, and man, that raises it. a litany. You're cool to get rid of John Eight. Yeah. If they say if get rid of John Eight, you're say, cool to swallow. Because oh, the opposite raises up even more dangerous questions. But you're cool with your kid just like never hearing the story of the woman caught in adultery. He who has no sin cast the first stone. Like. That Jesus just never said that, and they're not going to learn it. Well, I don't know. I presume that that story actually happened, but maybe it wasn't told by John. So this is where the experts should craft their translation because they know what they're doing, and then everyone should shut up about it. (laughs) Jack, what do you think? John 8, you cool with it being we just assume our kids never learn that Jesus said that? No, I'm not. I'm not happy with omitting it. I, I, I like what I think the NIV is doing. It now is it has it in the textual note on the bottom. It says like this wasn't it. The earliest manuscripts do not record this. You know, but this the the thing that it raises is I think that it questions people's assumptions about the infallibility and inerrancy and inspiration of the of scripture. Do you guys, do you guys see those arising? Yes, but I'm on the other side with Dave where it questions it when we know stories aren't real, but we keep them in the Bible. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess I just want to have a posture of, like, more truth is always better. Yeah. You know? And I don't believe that we're going to find out that the Gospels weren't actually written during that time period or whatever because, like, I think that's been established. Like, I mean, maybe it will happen, but I believe in the text enough and in the historicity of the scriptures that I don't feel like I'm that threatened. I don't know. Like I don't believe Moses wrote the Torah, but that doesn't make me not respect the Torah or think it's, you know, incredible. I don't know. What a mess. What a great way to conclude a discussion on Bible translations. That's one of the, the, the mocking names people give the message is the mess. The mess. Yes. Also, the most erroneous slaughter of scripture available <laughs> gets everywhere. Is is the message oh. still cool? Like, it, <laughs> I like the message. It was super cool, like, yeah. when we were in high school or junior high. I think Eugene Peterson's gotten more cool. He's gotten more cool? Since he, he wrote it. Because, yeah. like, he's done interviews with Bono about the Psalms and stuff, and people are like, that old guy's cool. Like, he's anti right cool. Ooh. Yeah. So I think that preserves the message a little bit. Hey, it's Tanner again. I'm here for an extra segment. We have actually gotten a master of translation. It is my neighbor, Sheila. Sheila and her husband are amazing. Ivy and I have gotten to know them over the last year. They are so kind and generous. So can I ask you, Sheila, what is your experience with translation? Hello, everybody. Yes, I had been a 
translator of documents back home uh, and also I was a certified translator so uh, and I, at the same time I have my master's in translation so mostly I was translating documents and correspondence uh, for the people who want to uh, immigrate or uh, have some business communications abroad. We just talked about with um, Jackson and Dave, we talked about Bible translations and the problems that happen there. Uh, this is something I learned in school a couple weeks ago. The difference between formal equivalence, which is a word-for-word translation. So just even if the sentence doesn't sound very good, at least it's very literal. And there are other translators who think, no, it should be a dynamic equivalence, that it's the meaning. You, you want to get across sense for sense. And so every translator kind of has their own bias. Which, which do you, are you biased towards? Which do you appreciate more? Answering this question can be uh, very challenging or controversial. But for the first thing that I have to mention is that some texts uh, need to, you know, the translation of those need just... It's okay to you if you do word for word. For example, in physics, the, the, the phrase theory of relativity has just one meaning, right? So you can refer to the dictionary and find the denotative meaning of that, and that's all. So it's okay with scientific text, but there are other texts. At first glance, they should be translated meaning for meaning, sense for sense, or uh, idiomatic translation. But still, yeah, there are many um, scholars that believe that it is safe to translate word for word. But, you know, as I told you, we are dealing with our audiences. Our audience are people. They want to read a material, translated material, that sounds natural to them. So when you say that it's safer to do word for word, but it sounds like you like the risk, like you think the risk is worth it, of doing meaning because you think people want meaning. Is that right? Yes, I will. Yeah, you you guessed it right. I would like to take the risk, but taking risk needs some background, you know. If I don't have a good background in English, if translation, it's cross-culture, you know. You have to have a background knowledge about culture, about uh, the, you know, something beyond language. Just having linguistic knowledge is not enough. An interpreter in a court, when he or she want to interpret uh, the a victim's or accused person's words, he or she has to keep the same style. Even when the accused person is crying, the interpreter better to feel very upset mm. so it's style i really like the way you said that i i like the idea of you need imagination almost as a translator you need to be able to step into the shoes of whoever the original language is you have to have like this huge mastery of two cultures do you have anything else you'd like to say no, no, just, uh, just I, I want to talk about a story. It's about Tower, uh, Tower of Babel. 
so in this land many uh, you know united humanity of the generations they had a common language but they decided to uh, to build that tower and so highly that reach heavens so at that time god said no it's so rude and disrespectful so i'm gonna to demolish this tower and then god at that time uh, confounded or confused uh, their language so they could not understand each other uh, well and from that time translation uh, actually <laughs> had to be created so this story always make me fearful oh my god oh my god are we are we going not to understand each other from that time no so it's it's show even if it this story may be a myth but still make us to think about that when are we going to understand each other wow. that's it it actually opens my eyes to that story the idea that different languages are almost like a broken relationship and translation is the, the the key to like bringing that together again thank you for all your knowledge thank you for having me it was my pleasure and i also thanks for your time and your interest and also your smart audience <laughs> and for, for everything thanks oh dave you had a shout out you wanted to give Oh yeah, right right before I came to record this podcast, I ran into Jeff King, big fan of our podcast. Thanks for every single time you see me saying, you guys are awesome, love your podcast. It's actually very very encouraging to hear like, yeah. hey, this is good from somebody. Even if you're lying, it's just very <laughs> I think that's it for us. Hmm. I'm Tanner Haas. I'm David Short. And I'm Jackson O'Brien. Oh.